0: Welcome back into the Pigskin Cafe. Today on the menu, we react to Bo Nix leaving Auburn and throw out a couple possibilities of where he might end up. Then we react to Spencer Rattler leaving Oklahoma and joining Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks and what that means for the SEC East. Before welcoming in Tyler Anderson, Texas a Aggie fan, and avid fisherman um, to discuss the Texas a m Recruiting class and what he thinks of the job Jimbo's done in year four. Wesley, take us in.
1: You're listening to the Pigskin Cafe, a podcast covering the wild world of college football. On tap for today are hot takes, controversy, and analysis on your favorite team. Pull up a seat, and your host, Hampton Sipper, will be with you in three, two, one.
0: And we're back. Welcome into the Pigskin Cafe. My name is Hampton Sipper, and I will be your host this evening, guiding you through another fun college football discussion, a little transfer portal news, and a very special guest. But before we get to that, I am joined by the Reddit extraordinaire himself, Chase Haney. Chase, we ready to rock and roll tonight, ma'am? Man, super glad to be here. Let's do it. All right. Well, before we get into the news of the day, let's give a quick shout-out to our sponsor over at play action pools who have been hosting um, our NFL and college football pick them all year. Uh, Let's look to the leaderboard after I believe week 14 of the NFL season is over. So we've got three to four weeks left of it before we crown a champion. And right now he came from oblivion. He came from the depths of the sea, but he is at number one. Now my dad, Rick UPS18 is now number one <laughs> at 113 points, followed by Kyle Edwards at 110, then Graham, then Sam Gilmer, then rounding out the top five, legend, aka Wode Suave. So um, it is heating up in the pick 'em. Uh, we've had a great time doing that all year, and we appreciate Play Action Pools. And if you're uh, listening for the first time, go support them and follow them on Instagram and Twitter, um, support all the great work they're doing. Now, with that out of the way, Chase, we've got a few things to discuss, man. Like, I don't know, Bo Nix, the Auburn man of Auburn man, leaving the Plains and transferring for his final year of eligibility. I want to get your reaction, man. What did you make of the news when it came across the ticker last night? And where do you think he's going to ultimately end up?
1: Yeah, I think, I think this was somewhat a shock to all of us but I think that we thought that the decision was more between the NFL and staying at Auburn and I think that we all kind of thought it was funny that he was thinking about going to the NFL not that he's not a, a good quarterback, but that he's <laughs> he, he's a freak, he's a freak of an athlete, athlete yeah and I, yeah I, I think that's why it surprised us is we're like ah oh, you know maybe I mean if you wanted to but uh man maybe the Nil stuff changes his mind. Um, maybe the Milo money is starting to run a little thin and so he <laughs> needs to change the, uh, maybe he needs to change the landscape a little bit, but I think that this definitely took us by surprise. Um, but who knows, man? I mean, this is, this is, this is interesting. It definitely changes up, uh, I think where Auburn's program is sitting. Cause I don't know if, if, I mean, if you watch that Alabama game, TJ Finley, I mean, he's, he was at LSU, he was at Auburn and, uh, he hasn't like. He hadn't blown me away by any means. So it wasn't like the guy sitting behind Bo was about to take his spot, in my opinion. But uh we'll see, man. I, I think that if I could <laughs> almost in a joking jokingly way, uh, where do I think he ends up? I'm gonna have to say Utah, just because they seem to get guys who transfer out when you think that they've been like a starter for a few years. So uh <laughs> I don't I, I have no inkling other than maybe UCF uh to have a legitimate mm-hmm. uh like that'd be kind of where. I would guess. But, uh, yeah, I'll throw Utah's name in the cap just because they get in on things like this. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. Do you you have anything to say about, you know, Bo Nix transferring out where he might end up?
0: Well, it did come as a shock, Um, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Bo is the son of Pat Nix, big-time Auburn quarterback. He grew up loving Auburn. And if a guy like that leaves your program, and, you know, we can debate and have an hour-long conversation on, the merits of Bo Nix as an SEC quarterback. But I would definitely say that he improved this year. Um, He had games where he looked like he could play within an offensive structure um, and actually had, you know, some level of consistency um, with his performances, which he had been lacking in the two years prior. But with some of the reports out, like, allegedly him and his dad went to uh, Brian Harson and talked with him and made a list of demands of, to be met if he were going to stay, including him coming out and declaring Bo as a starter for next year, which I don't know if I wholeheartedly believe that that actually occurred. Um, but I think Bo, I think he was ready to move on. I think he felt Auburn hadn't developed him well, um, which I would definitely agree with there, which I, which is what I find even more funny is if, You know, Auburn fans had been clamoring for years that Bo was not good because Gus couldn't develop quarterbacks. And then, one of the first school names you see mentioned when he, you know, opts to transfer is UCF to reunite with Gus Malzahn. I mean, that you couldn't write a better story than that. I mean, they are located in Florida near Disney, uh, Disney World, uh, Disney movie um, script. If he goes and reunites with Gus, but uh, um, I think that's a possibility. I saw where Cincinnati is a possibility, and let me throw in a wild card, a little tease for what we have coming in later in the show. There have been some rumors on the Twitter that I don't know if I buy completely again, that Bo may be going, may have some interest in the Texas A&M Aggies um, because I saw a thing where um, Brandon Marcello, who used to be an Auburn beat writer, said something about um, a you know an SEC West player would be transferring to an SEC West school, um, and Josh Pate replied, we gig him. And I don't know if that was referring to Bo Nix. I don't know if they have legitimate interest, but with the news of Zach Calzada hitting the portal today, interesting timing, so... Uh, I'm interested to see where Bo lands, and I think he'll have a good uh, senior year, a solid senior year. But I don't ever think he's going to turn into the quarterback that many hoped he was. Um, so um, I see, I see in the chat, Bo going to LSU. That would be very interesting. I don't know um, if Brian Kelly would want to mess with that, but you know they don't have a quarterback right now, other unless Miles Brennan. Comes back to school. Go ahead, the real, Chase. The real question
1: is: is does he want to dance with him? That's the
0: real question. I mean, shoot, I would <laughs> want to dance with uh, him. I mean, be part of his family. Um, I mean, talk about you when you thought Brian Kelly couldn't get more cringe, he got more cringe. I mean, my goodness gracious, um, that that guy is something. But that would be um, an interesting possibility if he did transfer to LSU. But. Uh, Chase, any more thoughts on Bo Nix before we move on to the other piece of transfer news for the uh, for the day?
1: No, man, I, I don't think so. But I don't mind taking us into the next one because I feel like you might Go have ahead. a little bit more to say than than I will. I mean, we we get news, and it's funny how quickly stuff happens. But I just got the uh, notification through ESPN app that uh, Spencer Radler is transferring to South Carolina, which we knew about Uh-oh. about thirty minutes ago, forty five minutes ago. So you feel pretty up to beat, but I mean. I, I don't want to put this kid in like one of the like kind of the Tate Martell category, which mm-hmm. is where everyone wants to stay away from. But what do you think? I guess what's your knee jerk reaction when you hear that he's going to meet up with his old offensive coordinator? Um, do you think the skill set's there? Do you think this new coaching staff develops him well? I, I'm just going to put that ball on the tee and let you hit it.
0: Mm-hmm. I think the skill set is definitely there. I think he's got all the talent in the world. He can throw the ball a mile. He has good. Um, mobility in the pocket he can throw on the run i think his issue is his are the intangibles of the game his leadership i mean we saw when caleb williams went in versus texas how he kind of handled that um if you watch qb1 on netflix you can kind of see uh the type of person and how rather treats his teammates at least in high school i know That was a few years ago, but uh, it did not shed uh, a nice light on Mr. Radler. But I think those are his biggest issues. And then also um, going through progressions as a quarterback, you know, the little stuff that doesn't get um, all the glory and doesn't get the notoriety, but it's a key component of playing the position at a high level. Um, I do like the fit at South Carolina. Shane Beamer, I think, did a remarkable job in year one to get that team to a bowl game. I mean, with the lack of talent they had in the quarterback position was an absolute mess for them with having to play a grad assistant at times. And it was kind of a revolving door. This brings a little bit of stability. And I think, I think Beamer's that type of guy that could probably get the best out of Spencer with his no nonsense type attitude. Um, So I'm very interested to see um, how he performs there. And, Great move by South Carolina. What do you have to lose? I mean, you're not gonna get a kid like that um out of high school most of the time unless he's from that area. So I think it's a good pickup by South Carolina. What do you think about it, man?
1: I'm kind of wondering if they got the best uh best quarterback in the state. It will be determined.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, um, good point. Good point.
1: I'm I'm not I'm not sure, man. I'm not really sold on Radler. I think that uh I think that he does have great seven on seven talent. If you saw him at a camp, yep. you'd think he's phenomenal. Um, but I, I don't, and, and maybe it's an easy fix that that's kind of, I think the hope with this kid is that it, it's an easy fix and, uh, all of a sudden, man, they make, you know, he makes South Carolina something special. So, um, mm-hmm. I don't really have much to say about it. Cause I mean, he got his job taken. I don't see him as a great teammate, but I don't know if I'd be the happiest camper if I got benched for my backup. But, uh, yeah. I, I think that, like you said, to echo what you said before we move on, um, Man, I think that the fit—the fit—is something that we talked about. How Shane Beamer—is it? Uh, isn't it Shane? Shane, you got yeah, it. Yeah, Beamer. Um, man, his fit at uh, at South Carolina—we we talked about how good of a fit that was. And uh, man, if he's bringing in his quarterback, like you said, I don't know if they could recruit a five-star quarterback right now. So you bring one in, um, you've already like you've already kind of had that uh, connection, that relationship. I think that's what we're going to see a lot through all these transfer portal um in and outs you're going to see guys who might have been recruited by let's say like a like an Alabama and a Georgia and a Florida State or something like that and they go to Georgia for a year and then they're going to transfer and they're going to immediately start talking to those coaches that they already have relationships with so this wasn't a surprise I think that maybe even with both scenario um you could kind of kind of look at how this played out and uh maybe maybe uh Think the same thing happens to Bo, so I think that's Mm -hmm. where I'm sitting on all that. We'll see, we'll see. Maybe I hope this hope the best for the kid. Hope he turns out great. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. Um, And I think you and I both agree. It's the tangibles. If he gets that corrected, all the talent in the world um, will be very interesting to see. Um, Last bit of portal news, like we mentioned, Zach Calzada has now entered the portal. The the man who slayed the Bama giant this year. Um, And with that, Chase, how about you introduce us to? our special guest tonight um, that we'll have um, for the, you know, remainder of the show.
1: Thanks Hampton. Um, yeah. So I was, I actually got engaged on uh last Tuesday. We're going on a week. Come on, baby. Everybody's listening to this podcast. It'll be a week. Um, and the funniest thing is I, I know that uh, maybe some of you have been around in an engagement, but there uh, the girls seem to outnumber the, uh, the guys there. And uh, I got to see, one of my uh, one of my friends talking to um, my dad, and they were there they talking SEC football. And, I, and it, it just like clicked in my head. I was like, man, I need to ask this guy to come on our podcast and uh, just talk college football with us. So I'm going to let him tell a little bit about his story. But uh, this is my friend Tyler Anderson. He went to A&M, uh, does uh, YouTube fishing right now, travels all the time, uh, just got the boat souped up and ready to go, I'm pretty sure. So – Tyler, I'm going to hand it over to you, man. If you want to just kind of tell us a little bit about your time at A&M, tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now, and then we'll pick your brain on the football program right now.
2: Well, y'all, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. And, uh, yeah, as Chase said, I was not only at his engagement, but I am a big Aggie fan and uh, spent four years in College Station. Uh, You know, looking back, I I loved my time, but it it was definitely – I was kind of excited to get out of there and start the real world. But I attended every football game, uh, even through even through uh, you know fall fishing season. And maybe I missed one. I might have been like Prairie View A and M or something, but we never lost to them. So, no nah, no harm no foul there. Uh, or I say that now. Lost to LSU again. again. Um, but uh, just huge Aggie football fan. I, I love following the recruiting. And you know, growing up, I, I lived in Austin, so my 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 team was the Longhorns. And, you know, that was because I was lost
1: and, you found.
2: and now I saw the light. And so now horns down, <laughs> horns down is a lifestyle. Come on. And, uh, and so transferring over to, to the light side, I was able to kind of get into the, you know, the, the rut of what we call Aggie mediocrity where it's, it's just, you know, <laughs> it's just seven, seven and, f- seven and five, eight and four, seven and five, <laughs> Ooh, nine and three, seven and five. And, and it was just year after year after year, you know, from high school and college that uh, I got used to that. And so to bring in a coach like Jimbo after my sophomore year was just, you know, oh, my gosh, this guy's got a proven track record. He can win games. He can recruit well. Uh, and so, you know, wh- however much we're paying him aside, not, it's not coming out of our tuition. So <laughs> thankfully we have a huge, huge fan base that could pay Jimbo. But uh, we got him in and he has, you know, increased our recruiting year after year you know, first year was about the same wins and then a little more than last year, you know, finished number five in the country and won our bowl game. And so just a lot of, a lot of upsides I see for the Aggies going forward. And yeah, you mentioned Calzada was our quarterback this year after we lost Haynes King in the, in the second game, just devastating. But, uh, I'm really excited about moving forward and I'm excited to talk with you guys.
1: Thanks Tyler. Um, man. Yeah. I think that, <laughs> I think a lot of that, uh, resonated I think that we, we me and Hampton to kind of hold had to hold it in there for a second because uh yeah but I, I think you guys have have your guy and uh do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about what you do currently and uh what is like post-school look like for you exactly sorry
2: I, I've gotten the football talk
1: now you're good we, hey, uh, hey, easy there tiger easy yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> my uh my full-time job is a fishing youtuber so I just go out there on the lake and pond and rivers and I film my experiences as I you know teach people how to catch fish and so a texas a&m was a great choice for me because you know the culture of the school is a very southern outdoor culture they had a great bass fishing team that i competed on and uh so now i just get to travel the country catching bass which is really incredible i don't use my degree at all but (laughs) again i i went to texas a&m for the ring in the the aggie network not the (laughs) education that's what i'm talking about
1: very nice that's Hilarious Hampton. You want to take us in and, and we can kind of uh, chop up, man. I mean, AM has a lot of really good things going for him right now. What, what's the first thing you want to throw at Tyler?
0: Yeah, the first thing, you know, I want to throw at you. I know you talked a little bit about your school going experience, but I want to know from an Aggie fan, what differentiates a college football Saturday in Cop Station from anywhere else in the country?
2: Well, you know, I haven't traveled to that many away games. Just, you know, if, if I wanted to make sure I was there on a Saturday and not fishing, I would, I would plan all the home games to be there. In a way, I would go, you know, on my fishing trips. So I think, I mean, I only went to, you know, Cowboy Stadium once for the Arkansas game. And where else have I gone? Man, I, I really don't even think I went to, I mean, I, I've gone to Daryl Carroll Royal Stadium for plenty of UT games growing up. And that stadium uh-huh. is dead. I mean, <laughs> the the loudest they get is for Texas fight. Oh, you sucks, and it's it's not even that loud. Everybody in there is sitting down, and just the culture, both in and out of the stadium, is just basically a one eighty from from Texas a And M. Um, so I, I don't want to keep harping on them. Now I did go to quite a few Baylor games. I'd say that Baylor's new stadium is not only prettier than UT Stadium. I think Baylor fans, at least the past. You know, six to eight years have been more, uh, more. What was the word I'm looking for? Excited about their team than UT fans. Um, But those (laughs) are really the only three stadiums I've been in. But looking at you know the college game day experience as they travel around the country and I watch it on TV, it seems to me like there's not many student sections and stadiums that have uh, as big of an effect on a game as us, Penn Mm -hmm. State. Um Ohio State. Now you can throw Mississippi State in there, but it's only because they use an artificial noisemaker. Yeah, it's because yeah, they, they just, break I, the rules. That that yeah. yeah, I'm I'm just not like yeah, you want to hear Kyle Field with Boo Boozellas. Like that, that would that <laughs> would be so, that would be so loud. Um so I just I'm not a big fan of that one. But I I think if I look at, you know, especially when we do like Red, White, and Blue games or Maroon Out, it's just really cool. Like I think us in Penn State are really the only Teams in the country with with stadiums this big that have uh, you know traditions like we do, and of course we have more traditions in during the game and around every Aggie athletic event than any other school out there. Just the the yell leaders and all the all the military traditions, midnight yell. It's just a, a really special place, and you know it's special because I have buddies that go to away games, and they besides tailgating, they don't really have anything else to check out at the at the uh, you know the away venue, mm-hmm. but I'd say there's a good, like, you know, thousand people that come to Midnight Yell that are away fans just because they hear about right. it. They want to see it. And so we try to do a good job in college station of creating a welcoming environment, even during the game. And after the game, I haven't heard many stories of, of Aggie fans, you know, throwing throwing beer on somebody or, or mm-hmm. pushing somebody because they lost. I mean, when we played Clemson a few years, it was like the two nicest fan bases getting together. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, and there were so many posts on social media of Clemson fans saying, hey, if you guys get the chance to go to Caulfield, make it, because it's a, it's a cool place.
0: Yeah. I know um, a couple of Bama fans that went uh, this year to the game, and they said those two exact things, that it was the loudest stadium they'd ever been to. And that um, Texas A&M fans were extremely cordial, um, and they were what Auburn fans claim to be. So, um, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Got to include a shot, shot in there. Um, but <laughs> of yeah, so that, yeah, that's great to hear, man. Um, thanks for sharing that for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And Chase, I'll go ahead and go into the next question. And I'll let go you get um, get the next one. Um, I know you talked a little bit about Jimbo, um, and he, you know, his first year was in 2018. Y'all had a really good year last year. Um, going. 11 and 1, I believe, finishing fifth in the country, like you said. How would you grade his four years at AM to this point as an on field coach? Because recruiting wise, I mean, Texas AM is going to probably finish number one in this cycle. I mean, Walter Nolan, five star defensive lineman committed, Harold Perkins, Evan Stewart, Shamar Stewart, Gabriel Brownlow Dindy, uh, Denver Harris, Connor. Uh, Weigman, like all these guys are trending. They're either mm-hmm. committed or trending to A and M. So very impressive class. But I want to hear what you think of Jimbo
2: as an on-field coach. How would you grade him so far? And you know, it's interesting that you say on-field because, like, the first thing I think about with Jimbo is the culture change that happened. Because mm-hmm. I I was good friends with Nick Starkle, who was the you know, at one time, great quarterback for a and and then he went to Arkansas, and then he went to San Jose State. And he just finished his, like, ninth year in college. But, <laughs> but Nick kind of let me in the, the door to see how Coach Sumlin, our previous coach versus Coach Fisher, kind of how their cultures were. And he said that Sumlin would have, like, you know, photo shoots all the time, and they'd have a whole bunch of swag and food and, like, music playing during practice, and it wasn't really, like, a serious environment. And Jimbo came in and changed that. Um, Sumlin was never good at talking to the camera. Jimbo loves the camera. He loves the podcast. He loves the radio shows. And so, as a he fan, he loves to talk. <laughs> he does, and and he's he's good at it. You know, he w- whether or not he's actually saying stuff that makes sense, he says it so fast and with so much authority that you kind of got to believe the guy. And and so, as as a fan, and, and when, the way you see it, his players bought in. So maybe I wasn't paying enough attention when someone was around. but when A&M players would be interviewed under someone's era, they would all kind of give different answers to questions. But one thing I noticed after four years of Jimbo is that especially his seniors, if some you know silly old reporter tries to ask him, well what do you think about playing you know Alabama next week? They're good every single player says our, our next opponent is faceless. We're going to watch the film and we're going to play this next game. So it's like the mentality that every coach says they want their players to have in the past. I never saw players having that, but this year, this, this administration I do, but of course that hasn't translated all the time to on the field. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a college football expert, so I'm not going to claim to know, you know, if it's the play calling on the offensive defensive side, if it's, if it's the scheme, if, uh, you know, we just didn't prepare well enough, like I take Ole Miss, for example, this year, we didn't play an offense like them until that game. And so you think we would have seen how they played and would have figured out a defense for that. And we just we just didn't for the whole first half. So I think he's a great on-field coach so far, but I don't think he's fantastic. Um, but one one thing I kind of want to talk about is that I think my, my biggest pet peeve of college nowadays is that Colleges don't give their coach long enough time to mm-hmm. truly see if what they're doing is right.
1: Yeah.
2: I, I think you're pro, especially programs that are highbrow like Oklahoma, Texas, AM, you know, y'all, Alabama, are lucky because you're never going to get rid of that coach. But, <laughs> but, you know, Michigan, the classic example is Michigan. Michigan mm-hmm. did not give up on Har Har, Har- Harbo Harbo say his name. <laughs> Harbo. Um, you got it. Harbo. yeah. they didn't <laughs> give up on him for years, even if he was having like two and ten seasons.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: it's because they knew he had the 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 skills and abilities to build a program and they got better and better and now they're sitting in the playoff. So I think if if you give, you know, it really takes a coach three to four years to get rid of old players and build a culture. Mm-hmm. And so Jimbo is just finishing his fourth year. We're about to wrap up, like you said, the number one uh, recruiting class in the country. Now, sometimes the best players out there are walk-ons or three stars. So I'm not saying that four mm-hmm. and fives are going to change your program, but it seems to me like when I see recruits posting that they're coming, they are posting with like a bunch of a bunch of pictures of of their friends who are committing with them. Yeah, And especially we got a lot of four and five stars from Houston. You
1: mm-hmm. know? So
2: all those, all those kids hang out. They all came to multiple visits to AM together as groups. And so I just think that builds a really good, not only singular class with those guys, but then you have kids that come in, you know, for recruiting visits in, in future years. And they see that these guys have been friends for years and now they all come to college and the camaraderie. And I think it's a really, really good internal recruiting tactic. Mm-hmm. So I see a recruiting class like this as a really positive thing, even if we don't see them on the field, you know, the majority of them for two or three more years. But uh I really believe if you have the right recruiting class, you make most of the right coaching decisions, and you don't have your quarterback get injured, I think you can be a playoff team.
1: I, I think that's I think that's extremely fair. I, I was actually listening to something today about uh Alabama has has had like more five stars come out of like the state of Florida than Miami, Florida state in mm-hmm. Florida. Like in the past, I can't even remember if it might've been the past 10 years or something like that um, combined. And I yeah. think that, man, what you said is it's, it's exactly that is that, man, if you can just recruit Texas, um, yeah. Texas has more than enough talent to go around. And I think that you see that A&M this cycle has gotten not only their fair of like their share of five stars, and four stars, like just that good talent is like they're also getting that those guys who went to UT, like yep. UT is losing to Kansas and you've got A&M beating Alabama. I mean, that choice is very clear, considering that my family's only got to drive, you know, an hour and a half, two hours to come watch me play ball and not having to fly all the way across the country. Um, exactly man i mean it it, you can't i think i think it's it's not it's not like this complex equation like you said these guys from houston they know each other they probably Mm -hmm. if they haven't played together they at least know who their other like dogs are in their area that they come up against and have to play against so yeah i think that uh i think you're spot on and i think that that chemistry um just as much as like players that might be really good athletes it's like there's a fit thing to it as well i mean you got guys that are all kind of from the same culture um kind of being able to. Speak whatever language is down in Houston, and then, like, you can yeah. kind of make you're not having to like change your message for each player. You might be able to kind of like, Hey, let me let me become more like Houston, and uh, that's what A&M is going to look like. So, I think I think you touched on that really well. And that's I, you mentioned something about the, the coaches and how man, people, I mean, you got teams firing coaches, and I mean, I, I this is this might be over simplistic and not to get into this like huge, uh, like open this up, but I mean. Ogeron was what two to three years out of two years out of a national championship. Like I understand things haven't yeah. looked great, but then you've got uh, Dan Mullen. Mullen. I mean, he's yep. in the SEC championship last year and this mm-hmm. year he's he's unemployed, and I, it makes you wonder what would happen if you let those recruiting classes stay that they had put together for this year. You didn't fire them. What do they look like in two to three years? Now could be worse, but um, I don't know. I mean, it, it really it really is like some food for thought because I've seen. I mean, Hampton, I, I, maybe I could throw this to you for a second. Um, I mean, think about one of the biggest winners for Alabama. I mean, you've got Kool-Aid McKinstry that was pretty much a, a 100% Auburn guy. been going mm-hmm. to Auburn his whole life. And then they make a coaching change. Now he's over here playing in the National Championship as a start, Not the National Championship, but in the, the uh, Cotton off. Bowl as a yeah, as a, as a starter. I mean, it's, it's little changes like that where it's like you had a five-star, you make a coaching change, and then it's like all of a sudden you've got a wave of uh, – Less less interesting, less, uh, I guess, just three stars rather than five stars. Uh, what, what do you think about, I guess, how quickly these coaches are getting fired? And then we'll, uh, we'll kind of change. I think Tyler brought up a really good point. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I 100% agree. I was
0: just nodding uh, silently to myself while he was going on his soliloquy. I mean, that um, is spot on. Um, and to add to your point about Kool-Aid, Emmanuel Henderson, another yeah. five-star running back from Geneva, Alabama, He would have probably gone to Auburn if Gus were still the head coach. And now they've got a guy who went 6-6 and this year. They're recruiting class. They've got a couple guys tonight, maybe building a little bit of momentum. But to this point, they haven't recruited to the caliber that Gus Malzahn did. And there are people within the brass at Auburn that want to get rid of him already. There have been – how many rumors have there been of Harson, you know, wanting to leave or – Um, boosters, you know, wanting him to be fired or removed. Um, And that's just bad business. Now the Mullen thing and Orgeron thing, I think especially with Mullen patients could have been um, used in that situation. But I think with them, it was more a lack of institutional control Um, and it was kind of like the prisoners run the asylum type thing. They just Mm kind of, there was no discipline. Uh, They weren't being the adults in the room. And I think that was a big thing, but um, Harbaugh is, an, is a great example because a lot of people wanted him gone anyway. Um, I mean, within Michigan, um, and they kind of stuck with him because, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. You can fire a coach and think that it's going to get better. But there's not like there's just a surplus or a huge pool of um, extremely talented, and competent coaches out there. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of these coaches are stealing money each and every year um, <laughs> mm-hmm. with the decisions they make. So um, I think that was a great point um, by Tyler, and um glad that you added on to it. But how about you get us on to the next question, man, and uh, we can get Tyler's thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, Tyler, I, I think we can kind of land this plane. I think that I was kind of thinking today about what would be a good question to ask you, and I'm kind of the same way. I can't really tell you. The the X's and O's I can't really I can't tell you why why you blitz in this scenario why you do what you do, but I enjoy talking ball and I can kind of talk about what what what's what it seems like in a sense. So this is kind of my question: is uh, two years ago like like we said, man, y'all y'all ended up nine and one, number five in the uh, number five in the nation. Uh, right now, eight and four this season, probably going to end up with the number one recruiting class in the nation. S- simple question, what does is, what is AM, what does success look like for the next one to two to three years for AM? What What, what is success? What do you think that that would look like?
2: Man, I, I think every program and fan base thinks success looks like making it in the top four. Um, but I really don't think that's true, especially if we're talking about next year. I think I'd like to see us make it there once, but t- to me it is a <sighs> – we we almost got to win like every every home game, it, it, it is a and, and I hate to like, l- you know, make a, a lower bar to reach. But if we're if we're losing to Mississippi State at home, that's not looking good for our fans.
1: Yeah,
2: and and, and so like the week after we lose at home, that that I mean I think we're lucky because we play we play y'all. Was that right after we lost to Mississippi State? I'm, I'm pretty sure that was. I deferred Hampton if, on that one. If,
0: <laughs> yes, it we was
2: if we don't have a big game like y'all the week after we lose at home, that's, that's a huge loss. And people, I mean, they're still going to have 70,000 show up, but not a hundred thousand. And, and so like the only reason why we had that big record breaking crowd was because it was you guys. Um, so I think winning every home game is a big thing. And, just not having embarrassing losses and then maybe making the playoff one time. Now, of course, if they, if they expand the playoff to 12 or 14 teams or 12 or 16 teams, Mm -hmm. uh, I think we're going to make the playoff easy almost every year with, with two or three losses. Um, So I, I really think that's what success looks like to me. I don't expect to be Alabama or Ohio state right now, where you make, make, make or close to make the playoff every single year. There, there are people out there that say, you know, oh, A&M, they're just a seven and five team. Y'all have to get used to it. And I really think there's very few power five programs that really are low tier. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, think, I think like, especially nowadays, you can put Texas Tech in that category, Vanderbilt in that category, mm-hmm. TCU. I mean, <laughs> they have a lot of <laughs> Big <B12>, 12 <B12> ones. <laughs> um, but I don't believe AM and m is uh, on, a- as a program yet, on the Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson level but I think we are higher than your, your, your Arkansas and, and, yeah. and, uh, you know, usually South Carolina level. So I, I, again, I can't expect based on the history we've had to become an Alabama, but I can't expect us with the coaching hires and money we're spending and recruits we're getting to beat Alabama once every three years and maybe go undefeated once every five or six years, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I, I think if I could just follow up real quick, I, because I think that I think what you said is really fair. I guess as an AM fan, would you rather have the like and, and I think that that the playoff thing really dictates probably your answer on this because I think that really contributes. Um, would you rather have su- sustained success or like one national championship? Like over the next four years, would you rather? Good question. I don't know. Go, go 10 and two and then uh, 11 and one. Get into the get in there and then have another eight and four season, or would you rather have like, like a, a one really good run at it and then, yeah, we we, we had a ton of seniors that graduated? I don't know, that was kind of like picking your it's not really two good choices, but would you rather have s- sustained success or uh one good run?
2: Can I say all of the above? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I, I think sustained success that's a tongue twister is uh is probably better for the program because. Let's take Oklahoma State for example. They are an old team, full of guys that bonded to the program, a bunch of farm boys that you know never left, and they were close. <laughs> and They and they were close to making the uh, the playoff. And so, if they had won the Big Twelve championship, they would have finished at you know number five or six. And so, I think what you're going to look at with Oklahoma State going forward is that they're not going to be near as good because they don't have the recruiting classes, they don't have the coaching, they don't have the facilities. Uh, to keep up a five or sixteen every year,
1: yeah,
2: and and, and similar with Baylor, I don't think Baylor's going to play near as good next year because they had an old team that bought into a new coach, which is rare. Mm-hmm. So I would rather have continued success where we win nine and three, ten and two, eleven and one, and hopefully get lucky one or one or two of those years going forward in the next decade and, and go undefeated and have fantastic seasons because I, I still think. You know, even though LSU lost their coach and everything, we still remember how fantastic of a season they had with Joe Burrow and their entire man-child mm-hmm. defense. So I really think that's better for your program. It keeps you top tier. And, again, it's not only about keeping the recruits coming in. It's about keeping the money comes in, coming in that keeps yeah. your program afloat. That's why the University of Texas, mm-hmm. um, I don't believe, will ever be a low-tier program, even if yeah. they win two games, because they were so good for so long. That even if they have a decade of tough football, maybe two decades for them, the money still cut. Co- the money still comes in. Yeah. The the facilities are still built, and so players are are if they're not coming in as as highly recruited, they're still getting good ones, and eventually they'll break that mold and they'll be good again. Hmm.
0: No, absolutely, and I think um, one of the best points you made was the thing of you don't quant or qualify. Your success of a season by getting in the playoff because I think in this whole playoff era, that is all anyone focuses on. Um, and says, like, if our if we didn't get to that point, then it wasn't a good year. Um, and I think having that perspective of it each and every year, like last year, y'all didn't get in the playoff, but y'all had an incredible year. I mean, uh, you really came on by the end of the year. You relied on that offensive line that had like five, four or five seniors on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ran yeah. the ball with Spiller um, a good bit. And Kelamon, you know, turned into um, the best version of himself. And um, I think having that perspective um, in a college football landscape where the playoff is so um, heavily pushed um, by ESPN and all the media people, um, I think it's really cool and makes – Uh, college football unique I got one more question for you Tyler it's going to be really Mm -hmm. quick before we let you go here tonight who give me one player on offense and one player on defense that you're really looking to make a big leap going into next
2: year man you know one player that we got was a wide receiver two years ago was DeMond Demas Mm -hmm. and you know we expected him to start as like a, a true freshman he didn't then like like this past year with COVID we expect him to play and we, he maybe saw two or three and then this year he played in almost every game but really wasn't targeted all that much and when mm-hmm. he was he did pretty dang good um, and so with his athleticism and speed and, and seemingly uh, hard work ethic I really expect if we can have a quarterback to throw it to him I expect Demond Demas to be a fantastic wide receiver for us now it just depends will Jimbo call long pass plays mm, I don't know yeah That that's been Jimbo's problem. And so, you know, it looks like we're gonna get a few four and five star wide receivers this year. So hopefully Mm -hmm. we can can build that up. We've had injuries of plenty at wide receiver. I think Demas was even injured a few times this year. So if if he can stay healthy and we throw it to him, I think he'll be a fantastic player. And then on defense, I gotta look up the roster right now because we have we have we're we're defensive university right now. Uh huh. Um, Absolutely. Gosh, who was the guy? He he had that nasty sack against uh, Prairie View AM where he just like lowered his shoulder and just like it was it was it was, was it Shamar crazy. Turner? No, it wasn't Shamar no. Turner. Ah, oh, not really. How him? Okay, and Antonio Antonio Johnson is fantastic. Um, he's he's a DB, and I think he averaged two sacks a game for the past, the last like four wow. or five games. Um so fantastic player. You know, there's there's so many I could list on I, I know we had a freshman cornerback, I forgot his name, um, that played really well this year. I know Miles Jones was a sorry graduate. Um, who was it? Who was our cornerback from this past year? I'll find it. Um oh I know Tyree Chappelle was also a freshman, but with so many players on defense, like you know, DeMarvin Leal was the guy who he just declared for the draft and Leon O'Neal mm-hmm. Jr., they, They played so well for us, and I wish we had another year. I can't think of a a certain standout like those two guys yet, Mm -hmm. but uh, I think you give it another year and you'll find somebody on that D-line or linebacker core that really, really stands out.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see who Jimbo now hires after Mike Elko um, is now Mm -hmm. headed to Duke, um, I think, to be their head coach. So Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be a monumental hire because Mike Elko did an incredible job um, I think, because he kind of showed the blueprint um, against Alabama, kind of how to get their offense fits and <clears> um, schemed up a great game plan against them. But, uh, Chase, exactly. you got anything else for Tyler before we get out of here, man?
1: Uh, man, maybe – I was just kind of piecing this together. We think that uh, maybe Auburn's uh, fired OC makes a trip out to College Station and brings Bo Nix with him. Mike Bobo? Maybe. <sighs>
2: You know, <laughs> I, 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 did, I, don't,
1: I don't think we are excited about that.
0: Jimbo's see the
1: see <laughs> That's right.
2: Yeah, I don't see the need to have Bo Nix at a, at College Station. Um, and the reason because you know we're getting a five star in Connor Weigman as mm-hmm. as a, a quarterback. Um, and then we have our four star who won his state championship at Longview. Um, and he just got hurt in the in the second game. And mm-hmm. if you look back at some of his highlights from the Kent State game, the opening game of the season, he had two. Johnny Manziel type runs
1: where it's like
2: you think they're you think they're going to get him he goes left right he runs 45 yards and then makes a 25 yard pass rolling left and and so that that first game was like all right maybe we got a Heisman winner on our hands and for him to get injured and have the season we did I was still happy to win eight games Mm -hmm. Um, and so especially with the backup who if you couldn't tell he can't run. Yeah, and when you, <laughs> no, when you when, statue back there, <laughs> when you're playing, when you're playing defensive lines in the SEC West, you need to be able to run out of the pocket and, and grab a few yards on, on a scramble. And Zach Calzado would trip like three times. So you mentioned <laughs> he's transferring. He was great. He beat Alabama. You know, he obviously had had a lot of grit and continued to you know push through injury in games, which of course makes the rest of the team play better. Mm-hmm. But I am really not concerned with him leaving, and I don't think Bo Nix is making the trip to College Station.
0: Okay. Very nice, man. Well, um, I think that'll wrap it up uh, for this edition of the Pigskin Cafe. Tyler, thank you so much for joining us, man, being our first honorary Texas a and Aggie fan to join the Pigskin Cafe. Before we let you go, can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and YouTube?
2: Yeah, I'm at uh, at Tyler's Real Fishing R E E L on any platform out there, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I don't use Twitter, but you can follow me, and we uh, we have a good time. Again, if you want to learn how to catch more bass, or have a brother, sister, or a family member that really wants to get into fishing, my I'm making my goal to help people just catch more fish. You know, no matter what stage they're at in their fishing fishing lifestyle, and and so that's kind of that's kind of the spiel. That's what I do, and I'm excited to get back on the water tomorrow.
0: Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, let's go, man. Well, that's awesome. And uh, you were a great guest, provided a lot of insight, and we couldn't be uh, more thrilled to have you on. We hope to have you on sometime in the future to talk uh, a little bit more uh, college football with you. Heck yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that will do it uh, for another edition of the Pigskin Cafe. Thank you so much for listening. Chase and Tyler, thank you for joining me tonight. Uh, We will be back, hopefully, This week, either talking a little bit more college football or even uh, returning to talk some NFL playoff picture, because finally things are crystallizing a little bit and we can have um, some more discussions on that. So be on the lookout. Uh, This is your first time listening. Be sure to follow us on social media uh, for up to date show times and polls and, you know, giveaways that we have going on. Be sure to. Follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And like I said, we'll be back later this week um, talking either NFL or college, but the Pigskin Cafe will be closed for now. But until next time, chew on that.